Biblical values are under attack and often missing in the public square. So how do we as parents build a strong biblical foundation in this cultural moment? We're talking about it here at NRB with award-winning podcaster of Raising Christian Kids, Leanne Mancini. Her new book is Raising Kids to Follow Christ, Instilling a Lifelong Trust in God. And uh, thank you, Leanne, for taking a few minutes to share with me today. Thank you, Deb. It's an honor. I'm glad to be here. So we're talking about the spiritual foundation of the next generation. So why is it so vital for parents today to be proactive in discipling their kids? Well, I believe part of the problem that we see ourselves in today is because parents are still parenting children as if it was back in the day when you could have what Ken Ham calls a Sunday school faith. You go to church, put your children in vacation Bible study, read them Bible stories, and pray with them. But we have to do so much more because if you don't build that foundation from the womb to age seven and build upon a strong foundation, we can see what's happening out there. Our children are walking away at an alarming rate. Uh, currently, 13 to 14-year-olds, 84% don't believe in sin and that we need a savior. It's shocking. George Barna's statistics, his book, Raising Spiritual Champions, shows that even 70% of teens 13 to 14 don't believe that there's a devil or believe he exists, you know, or believe in that he's possible. So you mentioned from the womb, because I think a lot of people say, well, we'll wait until they're six or seven or when we can take them off to Sunday school. So why is it so vital to start instilling these truths? And what truths do we start with? Well, I say in the womb because Psalm, I think it's 71.6 or 76 <laughs> says, um, teach even to the children yet to be born. And another Psalm says, yet you desired faithfulness in that secret place. Um, and at 18 weeks uh, pregnancy, the babies can hear in the womb. They can even see facial features. And in my book, I talk about, you know, how to, how to start training them while they're in the womb. Let them hear uh, children singing about Jesus. Volunteer at a daycare center. Then when they're infants, still bring them. And then when they're toddlers and, and, and their first day of preschool or at a daycare, a Christian daycare, they're used to that. They've heard it. So you sing about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. That's from the womb. And then... When they're toddlers, instead of saying, let's take a nap, you can say, let's take a Sabbath's rest. Now, they don't understand the true meaning of Sabbath, but you're building a vocabulary and a category in their mind for that word Sabbath. And then from four to seven, when you're explaining the true meaning of Sabbath, you're planting seeds into rich soil to grow deep roots. There's so much we can do. My book is full of ideas. And it seems to me like there, you mentioned there's so many people that are leaving the church or they're becoming nuns. In other words, they just decide that they, there's nothing really that they believe or have faith in anymore. There's probably parents listening in whose kids have made some choices to walk away. There's something parents can do that would maybe instill in the child something at an early age that they'd remember later in life? Well, I think if you model what it looks like to be a Christian every day, and, and I know parents hear this, more is caught than taught. Right. Plus, know the Word of God. Know, so you can teach it to your children. You have to know it. Um, pray continuously. What did David, Jeremiah, Saul, Samuel all have in common? They were taught from infancy. And when children get older, say you have a teenager now, and 
you haven't done all of this, because I didn't do half the stuff that's in my book. And I researched the brightest minds in children's spirituality to condense this information in this book for parents. And so you have a teenager, and you simply sit down and you say, we're going to have a meeting, a family meeting, because you're the parent. It's your house. And children, they don't really have rights except for food, clothing, shelter. Everything else they have is privileges. So if you tell your teenagers, look, we did it this way, but we're going to change what we're doing because, first of all, and you say three things, because I love you and because I have to abide to God's rules and regulations as a parent, and I want to keep you safe. They can't argue against those three points. They really can't. And then you can say, we did it this way, and I'm sorry we didn't do it the right way, but here's what we're going to do. And work with your teenagers and tell them why you're setting these rules, what are the consequences, and stick with it. And, you know, once they learn they're losing the privilege to do whatever it is they want to do, right away they start turning right away around. They want to follow the rules. They want to honor mom and dad because they know mom or dad are doing it because they love them. They have to, you know, adhere to God's rule, and they want to keep them safe. I think that kind of attitude, that love, really comes out in a conversation like that and being honest with them about maybe some mistakes we made as parents in their younger years or just maybe not even knowing. I mean, a lot of us grew up in homes where we did not have that modeled for us. And so I, I really like that course correction that you mentioned. And it gives parents hope yes. that things can be different in their home. One of the things that you mentioned in your book was about a preacher in the 1700s that used an example with parents that resonated back then and really with you today in regards to spiritual formation. Can you share that story with our listeners? Jonathan Edwards, he was a seven, in the 1700s, he was a pastor and a preacher, and he would tell parents, um, what would it look like if you got to heaven and you're looking around the banquet table and you're seeing your family members and the ones you love, but your children are not there? Wouldn't that change the way you're doing things now to make sure that you're doing everything you possibly can to make sure your children have that strong faith in God. And, you know, it just shook me to the core, and I thought, because I envisioned getting to heaven, sitting at the table, and my kids are not there for all eternity. So he did that to try to frighten parents. We don't want to frighten parents, but we want parents to understand what you do now is so important. And you only have these children really from the age of, you know, newborn to about 13. Uh, George Barn in his statistics and in his research has indicated that a child starts learning a worldview around 15 months and it's solidified by 13 years. At 13 years of age, they already have a worldview pretty much solidified. Doesn't mean God can't, you know, bring them along later on and draw them to him and change their worldview, but pretty much it's pretty set about 13 and I think that's what's happening why we see these children walking away from their faith at an alarming rate. I also want to talk about social media a little bit because that is a huge influencer with kids today and their, their means of social media might be different than ours. We might be in Facebook and they might be on TikTok, but still it is influencing their lives. What do you just say to parents of young kids or elementary kids about uh, spending time on social media? Well, I think everybody has heard that social media is destroying our youth and parents know this, but Parents have to stop worrying about wanting to be a friend to their children and be a parent. Uh, I recently had uh, a gentleman from Trumi, and that's T-R-O-O-M-I, phone on my podcast. And this phone is amazing. It grows with the child. 
and it's the best phone I've seen for parents and teens. And even the parents of teenagers who took their regular phone away and gave them this phone, at first the teenagers were upset, but then they came back and they thanked their parents because now they weren't under the peer pressure to look at something that they shouldn't look at. All they had to say was, well, my mom and dad gave me this phone. So I think you just have to take the rein as a parent. You're the parent. They're the child. Set the rules. They're not going to run away. We're so afraid. Oh, they're going to run away. They're going to rebel. No, not as long as you do it in love because you have to keep them safe and you have to obey God's rules and because you love them, it's kind of hard for them to argue. And then they come around. They do. They come around. How about like screen time, watching movies, media? Same thing. You have to make sure you know what your child is watching at all times. And, and it can be hard because you may have the restrictions in your home, but then they go to another child's home and they don't have the restrictions. But if your children understand, if they have a heart transformation, knowing what they need to do is because it's the right thing to do, not because they're told to do it. I've listened to parents that tell me that their child has gone to a friend's house and called their mom and said, you have to come get me because they're going to watch an R-rated movie. You know, so if you start this very early and you stay strong, this is this is your child. This is all your child knows. Mm -hmm. These are the rules. These this is our rules of the household. Our worldview is biblical, and you just have to make sure that you're, you're you watch what your children are doing as the, to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. So, if you are sitting across the table here from another parent that's just maybe is a new parent, and with all the experience that you have. What piece of advice would you give them? What was the first piece of advice that you would give them? I would say that you're never going to be a perfect parent. That's like lawyers are never perfect, and they call you know lawyers practitioners, okay? Yes. So we're practicing parents. So when you mess up, don't feel guilty. If you haven't done something right, don't feel guilty. That's the devil. Mm -hmm. And spend every moment you can connecting your children's heart to God and to Jesus. There's so many moments throughout the day. In fact, my book is an application book. It tells tons of ways that we can connect our children's hearts and minds to God and to Jesus. That's the most important thing. Well, that is a good place to, to end right now in talking about raising kids. We've been talking with Leanne Mancini, and the book is Raising Kids to Follow Christ, Instilling a Lifelong Trust in God. And that's our prayer for our kids and our grandkids that they would follow the Lord and it would be a lifelong trust in Him. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me.